0: This is a special edition of the RTI Press Pass powered by Rocky Top Insider. Here are your hosts, Jack Foster and Ryan Schumper.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back into the Rocky Top Insider Baseball Press Pass podcast. Here coming at you on a February 25th edition. Sunday afternoon, Tennessee baseball just swept UAlbany. In a three-game weekend series, the first of such here this season, 2024. You know, Ryan, the offense came alive, and we're got we have a lot to get to today. Some pitching notes too, but just how you doing on this Sunday evening?
0: Doing well, yeah. It's a
1: uh,
0: a tiring weekend as they are this time of year, but a, a lot to talk about with Tennessee baseball and a weekend that. Maybe a little bit quiet in the Friday game. Probably wasn't their best performance, but you know, right. really came alive in the next two games. And obviously, even in the game, he didn't play great. They found a way to get a win, which is obviously the most
1: important thing. We know football season is obviously king around here, and any weekend where there's a football game is probably going to be bigger than any weekend in spring. But this one would certainly rival some of those, as we had what a three-game home series, the first of the season, as I mentioned. Tennessee basketball hosting Texas A&M in a big revenge yeah. spot. And then the Lady Vols hosting the defending national champions and the LSU Tigers this weekend too. They came up short. The other two teams didn't, but a big weekend on Rocket Town. Yeah, no, it really was. And uh, you're right with the Lady
0: Vols too. It probably will be the biggest of the, you know, the basketball baseball crossover. I guess in two weeks will be from men's basketball. Men, you know, baseball will probably be bigger because. Illinois here so a little bit better series and then Tennessee will face Kentucky so a little bit better game or bigger game on that side but
1: no definitely a, a big weekend in Knoxville. Well let's get to this series as I mentioned a big offensive series for Tennessee after there were some struggles in opening weekend and in the midweek a little bit too if you look at that UNC Asheville performance but Tennessee's wins were 8-5 to on Friday night and then a 21-6 drubbing on Saturday, and then today a 12-0 run rule win. Would have been, obviously, a run rule on Saturday, too, had the rule been implemented. But the only time it was, was today, and Tennessee made use of that, winning 12-0. So it was kind of the Robin Villeneuve show this weekend, And, and that's where I want to start. Robin Villeneuve, obviously a guy who we expected to be the backup first baseman and, you know, one of the rotational designated hitters this season we knew he had a ton of pop he showed that in the offseason but now he's had back-to-back outfield starts been in the lineup more times than not so far this season and has frankly maybe not I mean he hasn't had as many abs as other guys but he's arguably been the best hitter on the team so far this season so thoughts on Robin's performance this weekend it looks like he has to be in the lineup every day
0: yeah what you just said is I think my biggest takeaway coming away from the weekend is at least as of right now, like you just can't take this guy out of the lineup. He's just been so good and so complete in, in everything. You know, obviously we've seen the power. He's hit a number of home runs, two of them now on the season. Another double, but just consistent, good contact hitting. He's had a really good uh, approach at the plate with drawing a number of walks and just working a bunch of competitive at bats. He's just been so impressive, really, in everything he does at the plate. And I mean, even you know today, like the the home run he hit in today's game, like.
1: The, the moonshot,
0: yeah, like the launch angle of it—you would have thought it'd been like a shot, you know, a lazy fly ball in the left field, and it landed on top of the third deck. Yeah, and obviously, it—you know, the angle, it wasn't going to go too much further than that. Um, so there's maybe some home runs you could hit on the second deck that might actually be hit further technically, but yeah, he again, he's just really impressive, and in the long term, you know, it's hard not to think that he's going to be a guy that's in the thick of this Tennessee lineup, and in the short term, it's can't take him out of
1: lineup and, and to, at least in his weekend series yeah and he, it's intriguing because Tony you know did a lot of outfield rotations this Tons. weekend we didn't see Hunter Ensley start Saturday or Sunday which was a surprise and but when it's you Albany there's not a lot to go off of of what these guys did defensively because I mean, Tennessee almost had a perfect game today they surrendered yep. like one walk and one hit yep and they faced the minimum almost Outside one, that, outside the that last walk inning, in the yeah. last inning, they faced the minimum, I think. So you don't really get to see any of those guys getting reps in the outfield such as Robin Villeneuve that we haven't seen a lot do anything because UAlbany wasn't getting a lot of hits and Tennessee's pitcher, shut him down. So that's something maybe to keep an eye on moving forward.
0: Yeah, definitely. and I mean, it seems to be some confidence in uh, Robin's ability to play left field. And I think maybe the, the bigger thing to me is is just the, the moving pieces part of it. I mean, you talked about it, how Tennessee used a bunch of different outfield lineups. It's like, okay, well, first, can Robin play right field too? Because it yeah. feels like Dylan Drilling's still you know pretty locked in. He, he didn't get to start uh, on Sunday, but he was still good uh, over the course of the weekend. Two of five, two RBIs, three more walks, a hit-by-pitch. Like, he got on base a bunch. Yeah. Um, and then one guy that's really been struggling is Hunter Ensley. So, the flexib- how much flexibility does Tennessee have? Coming into the season, I would have said, I don't know how much flexibility they have. Hunter Ensley's kind of the one true center fielder. Um, but Kavaris Tears plays, starts at center field, both Saturday and Sunday, and looks pretty good there, both those games. Again, to your point, not that we saw a ton of action from him. And when you play in bigger ballparks, I think you maybe kind of wonder about just the reads on some of those things and a guy that you know kind of came in positionless and is... Very much still on the fly learning as a defender, and all of a sudden the task gets a lot bigger. But Tony Vitello expressed a lot of optimism in uh, his ability to play center field after the uh, game. I believe his quote was,
1: He's a center fielder. Yeah, he's so. a center fielder. So
0: go. that I think goes a long way to giving Tennessee more flexibility and more options. But as we leave, you know, two weekends in the season, I feel really good about Kavar's Tears and Dylan Drowling being two of Tennessee's starters in the outfield. Obviously, you could use one of them at DH. Um, and like I said, we're feeling really good about Robin. So just how the, all those puzzle pieces fit together, uh, I think, is what becomes really interesting. And, and certainly,
1: the way Tears is playing center field and the confidence they've shown in him gives Tennessee a lot more options. Hunter Ensley went 0-5 at the plate on Friday night's win and then did not, as I said, start. On either Saturday or Sunday, did come into pinch hit late on Sunday, but just drew a walk, and that was that was all. So it, I think this is the situation for Tennessee, right? If you have the catcher situation, which it feels like Cal Stark is going to start one, maybe even two, like we saw this weekend, games a weekend behind the plate, I would feel like one more times than not, especially once SEC play gets here. And then if you have Dryling and Tears solidified in the outfield, that third outfield spot is it Bargo? Is it Robin? Because if Cannon's at catcher. You feel like Robin will be DH. And is Bargo and Robin's, are their bats too valuable to take out of the lineup and put Insley in? I think that is the biggest question mark on this team, granted outside of day three starter on the mound, moving for the, forward. For the lineup, yeah. yeah.
0: It probably is. And you know, you're right. I mean, that's, that's, that's the big question. And it's kind of a – risk and reward, what do you lose by not having Inslee defensively in the outfield? Because I think he's still, even if Tears is pretty good, I think Inslee's a very, very solid, a, a plus defender out in center field. And So how much do you lose there by not having him out there, and how much do you gain at the plate um, if you have a Bargo or you know, whoever else it is in the lineup, Robin Web, or not have Cannon Peebles if it's a game where he's not starting. Yeah. Like Obviously, you're going to have to bump a good-bad, and... Look, I mean, Inslee struggled at the plate to this point in the season, but it's what? How many games have they played? Eight games.
1: Yeah, it's kind of it's it's though. early,
0: and he, you know, he's he's had a large sample size of being pretty good for Tennessee. Obviously, he wasn't a star last year, but he was still second on the team and batting average in SEC
1: play. So it's like there's no question to where if he's your eight or nine hole hitter, that's a really yes. good eight or nine hole hitter. Yes, he and
0: and I think that's the that's the point that I was gonna get to of Tennessee's lineup so good enough is good enough that you can kind of live with maybe a little bit of a drop off for your lineup to have to be better defensively and have Inslee and have his veteran presence and a guy that's been through it so uh, you know I I would be tentative to really you know push down on Inslee or act like Inslee's not going to be a big part or panic about what's been a bad start to the season for him at the plate um But obviously all these other guys behind him have played so well that it it is a legit conversation you have to have.
1: Yeah, it's unfair to say he's lost the job or anything. That's not the case at all. But, you know, rewind two years ago when Blake Burke would start when a righty was on the mound because he's a left-handed bat, and then Christian Moore would start at DH when a lefty was on the mound. Bargo's lefty, Robin's righty. Do you think we're closer to that situation, or do you just think that Robin is too valuable to ever take out and will that be the scenario where he's locked in come SEC play? You know, I would say right now through, again,
0: eight games, you'd, you'd, I lean more of you can stagger them and you can do it depending on matchups.
1: But, and Robin may be a really valuable pinch hitter yeah. in any big spot like that. Yeah, I think
0: he'd be a better pinch hitter than Bargo would just from all the things I said about the way he's takes a lot of pitches and, and it just feels like he's a very complete hitter. But, you know, at the same time, it's like if Robin – I say all that, but I think you stagger it because I think Robin's probably going to take a step back. Like, he just it feels can't, like he can't up this pace. Yeah, but at the same time, I would have said the same thing about Jared Dickey in, you know, 22, and obviously he got injured, but even right. when he came back, he was just as good. And that's really, maybe it's just because he wears 17, and maybe it's because he's playing <laughs> out in left field slash being the DH, but that's who he kind maybe it's the shuffle he does in the plate when he takes pitches, but that's kind of who Robbins reminded me of a little bit from you know, obviously
1: the left side, the uh, left batter's box instead of the right one. Dalton Bargo got a little more action this weekend, went 625 at the plate on the series, eight A-Bs, five hits, had his first homer of the season, four total RBIs. He looked good out there, and then we saw him get some outfield action um, today, right? Today in the yes. right field. Days get mixed up. They Days all, they all run together a lot when you're just living at the ballpark like this over a weekend. But Dalton Bargo looked good. One other big talking point I want to talk about with this lineup is the leadoff spot. Yeah, Hunter Ensley was filling that role uh, for the first handful of games and as I mentioned didn't start the past two days. We've seen Christian Moore be in that leadoff spot I believe three of the last four games. Thoughts on how that's looked for Tennessee? I personally believe that's the way to go given how consistent SEMO has been and when you have the power of Amy Peoples, Tears, Villeneuve, that can you know fill the middle part of that lineup. Why not put SEMO at the leadoff spot?
0: Yeah, I kind of tend to agree, especially if they're going to go righty lefty, which today was the first slight deviation from that. But that was only because you had five righties, a switch hitter, and Peebles, or yeah, Peebles, and, peoples, and mm-hmm. three lefties, and it was a left-handed pitcher, so you just were going to have to do that. Yeah. Um. But if you because to me the thing, the whole debate of the leadoff and whether to use Christian Moore there, to me it boils down to the fact that Billy Amick and Christian Moore are your two best hitters. They need to be one through four in some version. Right. And if you're going to stagger them, that means you need to have them one, three, or okay. two, four. And I don't think any of Tennessee's left-handed hitters are leadoff guys. Like, I just don't think any of those are viable options. Honestly, the guy I'd like to see there is Robin. That's the guy I would like to see get an opportunity. But she's right handed Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and, again, that goes... If they're going to stagger, they're probably not going to do that. But I think he's the other guy that maybe is, along with more, maybe a little bit more natural. So, um, yeah, I like it. I mean, it, again, it's it's exactly what you said of you're tentative to do it because he's one of the best hitters and he has so much power. But, again, you have a lot of good power hitters behind him in a really deep lineup that I, I think you can live with it. And back to your point, if Tennessee's lineup is as deep as we think it is, even in the leadoff spot, he'll probably be up a number of times with runners on base and a chance mm-hmm. to, to drive in guys.
1: And, I mean, has he had a bad A.B. this season? He just has an A.B. almost every – almost a good A.B. almost every time, and he's their best base runner probably. Yeah, he
0: probably is. I mean, there's no big stolen base or base-stealing threat on this Tennessee team, but obviously Simo can do it some. He's an aggressive base runner. Fastest dude. Fastest dude on the team. Hasn't really made any base running mistakes at this point. And now I – you know, just to sing his praises a little bit to your point about him not having a – doesn't feel like he's really had a bad at bat. Like, there's so much credit to him for that. Like, that's where he's – feels like he's grown the most in his two years. He's just becoming a lot more well-rounded, and his approach just feels a lot better because the elite signs have always been there, but he was just had been so inconsistent. Uh,
1: Mostly his freshman year, but even some last year, too, he has some inconsistencies. We talked last time we uh, podcasted on Thursday about how great Dean Curley's debut was there on Thursday against ETSU. He followed that up with three consecutive starts at shortstop, Feels like he's a solidified starter there in the infield. And he had a really good series. It wasn't, you know, super flashy, went two for nine at the plate, but had three more RBIs on the weekend. And Dean Curley is another dangerous bat that's going to live in that middle-to-back part of the order who has shown he can play the shortstop position really well. Yeah, I thought that was
0: really telling, the fact that he got all three starts. And he leaves today's game, he gets hit in the head with an 88-mile-per-hour fastball. Really scary moment, yeah.
1: Thankfully, he's... Seems okay, based off what Tony said.
0: Yeah, Tony, I don't think he said this directly, but basically implied that he'd passed through all the concussion protocols that he went through and said, you know, may not be in the lineup Tuesday because we want to play it safe, but if that's the case, it'll probably be me doing that, not because he can't play or because the trainer told me that he can't play. So, um, yeah, he was good, and it feels like he's certainly separated himself from Bradkey Lowry. uh, And obviously, uh, Perry hasn't gotten a ton of opportunities. He's been the other guy that's been – healthy at this point, I think the thing that will just continue to be interesting is what, what it looks like when Ariel Antigua gets back and he's healthy. Um, because while Curly has been good at the plate, to me what's been more impressive is just the consistency he's had defensively because that's yeah. what you're looking for. But at the same time, Antigua's like an elite He's defender. a savant. Yeah. yeah, he's a savant, exactly. So if Curly doesn't, is Batch not just blowing you away, I think you look and say, all right, well, there's more of a path to Antigua becoming a factor or potentially winning that job still, despite him uh, getting an ill-timed injury. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's not to take anything away from Curly who 100% looks to part and has been really good to this point in the season and had another good weekend as he continues to look like a
1: really viable option at that spot. Another guy who had another good weekend at the plate is Blake Burke, hit 500 on the series, for Vade at the plate, couple of doubles, three RBIs, also had his first home run of the season after you know having a slow start really felt like Blake Burke, you know, got into a groove here this weekend against Albany and, you know, looked like uh, the Blake Burke we saw at the beginning of the season last year.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I think maybe the thing the, the number I'd point out that's the best sign or stands out the most to me, four walks, no strikeouts. Like mm. it just it continues to feel I feel like in the midweek he probably had a couple bad ones and maybe he did at Oklahoma.
1: It just feels like he's gotten better at bats. Yes. Um, again oh. some of that's Right, only starter uh, to start all three games that did not strike out.
0: Wow, yeah. So. Uh, you know, So maybe that's easier said than done just due to the competition, but it, he's been he's been really solid uh, just from not necessarily the results. I don't think you'd look at the results and say, oh, wow, that's great. Just the approach, the way he's looking at pitches. I go back to his first about in the season last year at Texas Tech. He struck out, but he saw like 12 pitches and fouled off. Six or seven of them with two strikes. Yeah. Um, again, early. We've talked the very about Very first it. AB. Very first AB, yeah. He 11 a-
1: pitches at bat. 11 pitch at bat. Yeah.
0: And so, again, we, we've talked about it in a preview. It's always going to be some wait and see for him to see him do an SEC play. But the things that you'd want to see be better from him in non conference play have been better. And to me, that's a, a good sign.
1: Yeah. And I think an important thing to note about this weekend is, you know, the first true series. We really, I think we've have a firm grasp on what the pecking order is at certain positions. Like in the outfield, we talked about how Inslee, Tears, Dryling, Bargo, and Robin are going to be in the mix. It feels like those are the top five now that we've seen Robin have outfield reps. And then, you know, top reserves are Chapman and Colby Backus, who's gotten yep. you know a couple times, showed some elite speed getting first to home there on a on a bases clearing double. I can't remember who hit it, but um, so he he's flashed a little bit. So. It, we uh you know we learned a lot about this team this weekend I think.
0: Yeah I think you're right I think we did especially given you know it felt like obviously you all well, think it's not great whatever Tennessee outscored them by in the three games was by a lot but they were better than I expected I felt like they had a couple good arms and a handful of guys in that in that lineup that were really solid too so um a, a lot to a lot to like from what we saw from Tennessee this season or this weekend and it feels like more and more depth I mean Tony Vitello said it he feels like it's the most depth he's had in the position spot since he's been here and I think we're going to continue to see a ton of different lineups and we're going to continue to see a ton of dudes get more opportunities in these next two and a half weeks before SEC play begins.
1: Well speaking of opportunities, a lot of arms got opportunities this weekend. A couple of notes we need to talk about. A.J. Russell being top of mind. He of course started Friday night against Albany, Only pitched three innings as he started to deal with some soreness Uh, you know, not quite the shoulder, right? It was more of an oblique kind of deal? Yeah, and I've even... I don't think
0: it's necessarily oblique. Like,
1: side armpits kind of what
0: what I've heard. So, I mean, obviously there hasn't been anything super official on that. Side was the line uh, on Friday night, but it seems like not necessarily oblique, which would kind of be the concern if it was side. So, we'll see. Um, Yeah, I don't want to say anything definitive on it. It feels like he... Be surprised if he pitches next week just because you don't need to rush him back. Right. And you've kind of seen, it feels like he's, even in a start and a half, he's submitted himself as what he can like he's, be. He's, yeah, he's one of the dudes. Yeah, and in the same, you know, it's kind of weird thing to do, kind of trying to, I'm not trying to do it, but spinning a injury like this into a good thing, I think the two good things from it is one of the concerns about Russell, he threw 30 innings last year, he's going to throw a lot of innings this year, how can his arm hold up? Obviously, you don't want him to be injured, but for him to get a little bit of a reprieve early in the season might not be the worst thing in the world just to lessen that load. And then, two, Tennessee is still searching for that third starter spot, and that just presents another opportunity to test some things out on the weekends that's and a really give,
1: give multiple guys opportunities. Yeah, that's a really good point. Just to, you know, it's like, okay, I want to see how Nate Sneed does in a start. Well, yep. we can put him on Saturday, Beam on Friday, or maybe Snead on Friday, whatever it is, and keep Xander in that role. You know, maybe as competition gets a little tougher down the road, uh, you can really see how he's going to handle that. And today he only pitched two innings. Uh, uh, he faced the minimum in them. But, you know, it, it's kind of hard to judge quite off of a two-inning appearance against Albany, or a start, I should say. But that third starter role still up in the air, and that's a great point Ryan just made about getting another guy a start just to see what you have. But A.J. Russell dealing with that injury. Drew Beam, of course, started on Saturday, was a little bit better than the first weekend. Uh, thoughts on how Beam looked there on day two of the series. Yeah, I mean, I thought he looked like Drew Beam. I mean, maybe you'd want him to be a little bit more dominant
0: against Albany, but at the same time, I think more of that is to a credit to those couple of batters for Albany that I thought were pretty good, and it felt like it was the same guys that maybe got him a couple times. I think he gave up, what was it, three or four hits in five innings? Six. Six hits, okay, so more than I I thought. But uh, worked around a little, yeah, no walks. It was six, all six of the base runners were... uh, the hit, so worked around a little bit of traffic, got it, You know, a couple of strikeouts. You know, like I said again, it maybe he wasn't as dominant that like he was at the end of last season, um, and how he can maybe be when he's at his best. But that's not really. I mean, that's not Drew. That's not what we've mostly seen from Drew Beam. Um, and obviously, he can be really effective out that he's a pitch to contact guy. And you saw him pitch really well with some base runners in a couple innings. Um, I just thought he was
1: solid overall. Thought it was a very Drew Beam start. Yeah, and a uh, couple of the top bullpen arms. I think Nate Snead probably had the best performance of any bullpen arm this weekend. But another one you could argue is Chris Stamos on Friday night uh, pitched three innings and you know was nearly flawless outside of one pitch that left the yard was a two-run homer. So that was his only hit he gave up and, of course, two earned runs. Also walked a pair of batters. But Chris Stamos looked pretty good there in the middle part of Friday's game. Having to come in, you know, little – is short notice, I guess, you know, you know, just going in for Russell after Russell's dealing with, yeah. the, with the soreness kind of deal, Earlier so un- we unexpected, inside. right? So, yeah. Um, thoughts on Chris Stamos, That's the first time you've seen him pitch, you know, in person here in the actual season.
0: Yeah, no, he looked good, and, you know, it's, first, usually, most of these scrimmages, they don't have the radar guns, so, you know, that... Obviously, the velocity doesn't blow you away. I mean, I didn't expect it to be high, and it wasn't. But I thought, you know, he located stuff really well. And even the home run he gave up wasn't really that bad of a pitch. The guy just kind of went down and got it. So um, I think he's going to be one of Tennessee's more reliable weekend bullpen arms. Mm. I I don't see a path to him being a starter by any means, but uh, I think he's a guy that's going to be a big part of the bullpen. And, you know, I thought it was, again, just against Albany, so maybe you don't, go too, too far in it, but the fact that he got three innings I thought was maybe a good sign to his ceiling potentially being a little bit higher than maybe I expected.
1: Yeah, 51 pitches on the day. He was relieved by A.J. Causey, who was brilliant last week, but this week was a little more shaky. Uh, definitely not one of his best outings by any stretch of the imagination, but did get a save because the game was yeah. so close that you know he ended up giving up three or one earned run, three runs total, but he got the save for his three-inning um, performance there on Friday. Yeah, you're right. It wasn't
0: wasn't as good as his outing a week prior, and it, it just didn't feel like necessarily like he was that sharp. I think was what I'd maybe say. But again, wasn't bad. You know, two of those three runs he gave up were were unearned. Um, and I continue to think that he's maybe even a guy that would get a look uh, if Russell is out for a little bit. Maybe you know, Let's maybe start. I mean, you thought he was going to start Sunday this weekend. Yeah. So there you I mean, go. Yeah, and I would think maybe. It makes even more sense if it would be Friday since that's the day he's been pitching on, mm-hmm. that they would maybe give it to him. Um, I would say leaving this weekend that it would probably be more pressing to get Snee to start. Yeah. I was really impressed with the no walks, kind of the same thing I said, inverse of what I said about Blake Burke, just the fact that he didn't walk anybody, just pitched to contact, uh, I thought was really impressive from him. So I'd maybe want to get Snead to start more. So if you're going to keep Seacrest in the starter spot uh, on Sunday, maybe you'd be more prone to go Snead on Friday. But, uh, you know, I could maybe see that path to to you starting on Friday if Russell can't go next week just
1: because that's the day he's been throwing on. Really, outside of that first inning against Baylor where he allowed three walks out of the Snead has been really good. Yeah, he has been. And it came after an offseason where he wasn't that great.
0: Yeah, at least in the fall he wasn't that great. And he was definitely better. When the team got back from Christmas in you know, January and early February before the season started, and I think he talked about it a good bit today to Cutter and its development, It's kind of a Cutter that's starting to turn into a slider a little bit, a pitch that he didn't throw at Wichita State that uh, he's worked with Frank Anderson with here. To me, that's the big thing. He's got it like it is with anybody that's a power arm like him who throws upper 90s. Can he find some consistency with at least one off-speed pitch? Yeah. Um, because if you can do that and you're out there throwing upper 90s, you can be really effective, especially if you can keep it in the strike zone, which struggled with at times in the fall, struggled with, and really mainly the first first inning last weekend that he was in against Baylor, but still walked five in, what was it, four innings that he ended up pitching? Something yeah, like something that. like that.
1: Yeah, uh, I think Xander threw two and Stamos threw two, so do the math. Five? <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nine <laughs> minus four? <laughs> Nine
1: minus four, yes. Yes. Um,
0: So those are kind of, to me, the big things with him. And they kind of go hand-in-hand, too, of being able to consistently start a breaking ball for a strike and just stay in the strike zone. Uh, If he does that, he's going to be really effective in whatever role he is, and certainly he's capable of being a starter.
1: Two more guys I want to touch on, both lefty bullpen arms. Kirby Cannell made his season debut today on Sunday. Got his one out. Got his one out, threw his four pitches. Got it back into the dugout.
0: Yep, they brought him in – The Sneed went two and two-thirds, so they brought him in to get the final out of the fifth inning with nobody on. So, pretty low leverage uh, for Kirby compared to a lot of times when they pull him in and he didn't get one out. So, uh, he was good. It was good to
1: see him out there. Good to see him make his debut. A little uh, unexpected for you to see him so early in the season? Or did you think he was only – like, how did you gauge his injury? Did you feel like it was uh, not going to – Play until SEC play kind of deal? Or? No, I didn't feel like that.
0: I, I didn't really have a, a huge gauge on when he would make his debut, but I didn't think it was like an out till SEC play thing either.
1: Gotcha. Other name I wanted to touch on was Andrew Binky, sophomore lefty, who has kind of become, you know, Tony Vitell talked about how he's waited his turn as, you know, approached every day with a great mindset. And now he's getting weekend innings. And I think he's not one of the top three or four bullpen arms, but definitely in the mix to get, you know, Key weekend innings here moving forward the season. Yeah, definitely in the mix. And a guy kind of, again, we've talked about it
0: some in the past, but if you had this version of Andrew Binky last year, I think Andrew Binky would have had a big role because of Tennessee's lack of lefties in the bullpen, whereas this season they got a lot of them. Uh, So it's crowded to work in there, but he's been good. I mean, he's a guy that's just consistently impressed me throughout the offseason, been good in his, I guess, two appearances to this point in the season. Um, And it'll be interesting to see how he continues to develop I'm a big fan of him. He kind of has that walkie style uh, sidearm slot that from the lefty side that can kind of throw people off, and he's a big Seinfeld guy. So <laughs> those are two things that I, I like to see. And
1: Isn't he from Middle Tennessee,
0: too? I'm not positive that about area?
1: That. I believe so. But,
0: you know, just, a, again, I don't know what he'll be in the mix this year uh, and have opportunities but at the very least it feels like in the long run he's going to be a guy that's going to pitch a lot of beginnings for Tennessee in the rest of his career.
1: Yeah, he's a Nashville guy. Okay. What high school? Uh, Donaldson Christian Academy. Yeah, DCA. There you go. There
0: you I fun uh, fun fact for you. That's just yeah, this doesn't need to go on the podcast. I'll just tell you the fun fact afterwards. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> Little DCA tie. All right, sounds good. Uh, okay, any other notes here? Um I do want to point out that Billy Amick, had he gotten some better luck, he would have probably hit over 400 this weekend. And probably on the season, you could say if he's gotten better luck, he'd be hitting near 500. Dude is just every single time he makes contact, it's at least one of five off the bat. Yeah. It, it's insane how hard he hits baseballs. It's probably
0: a good thing for Tennessee. I'm sure he, Billy Amick is frustrated by it, but it's probably a good thing for Tennessee that it feels like he's getting terrible luck right now. Because yeah. baseball is, you know, those things typically even out. And they'll probably, the hope would be that it'll probably even out for him in more meaningful games once SEC play gets going. Because it feels like even for a guy that is sitting here hitting 281 with three home runs and a team-high 12 RBIs to this point in the season, feels like he's been way better than right. the, at least the
1: average looks like. I, mean, I think he had three to four flyouts this weekend that were just hit right towards yeah. the outfield. And I felt like at least two of them, if not three,
0: were like two outs, runners in scoring position. Yeah. Two twice, I think, in the game.
1: Uh, I know once early on Saturday, and I think there's another one on Friday too. Um, another small note, kind of a tie-in with Amick here because he hit a bases-clearing double, but Tennessee struggled with uh, bases loaded in opening weekend. I believe they had three bases-clearing hits yeah. this weekend. So, much better there.
0: One of those bases-clearing cl- hits was just vintage. Early season college baseball, when Dean Curley in Game One hit a ground ball to shortstop with two outs and the bases oh. loaded, <laughs> and they threw it past the pitcher or they threw it past the first baseman. Bad throw, two run score. Yeah, and then as the first first baseman throwing it back to the pitcher, the pitcher loses it in the sun, and the runner who started to play on first base ran home and scored. A routine bases loaded. Clearing ground ball to shortstop.
1: And Tennessee won by three runs. And Tennessee won by th- one by three runs. I think the game would have gone differently. Yeah, oh, certainly. If uh, they didn't score three runs in that inning, and Tennessee still would have won in regulation. But interesting note. Yeah, it's funny how that That worked play. Out. You know, if I'm the if I'm the U Albany coach after Friday night's game, I'm like, God we're one play away. We had him. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Utsid, Sean Barrow's making an appearance through the window there, but yeah, if I'm the U Albany coach, that's what I'm saying. So, um, but yeah, I guess that'll uh, wrap up this Sunday edition of the uh, podcast here, Ryan. Unless you have any other notes.
0: Yeah, and uh, another very funny college baseball moment when the pitcher walks off the mound after that inning, where uh-huh. Tennessee had gotten a couple runs before that too. Uh, you know, it's a. It's a Colder night at Lindsay Nelson Stadium on Friday or colder evening. It's not a massive crowd. It's you all been early in the season. He does the classic face right in the glove and drops one of the loudest F-bombs <laughs> I have ever.
1: I mean, cl- I mean, clear as day could hear it in the press box. Uh, classic, classic baseball. Because he had just lost the uh, throwback in the sun, right? Yes. That allowed the last run to score. On yes. That. He uh-huh. was the second error. Really.
0: Yeah, and obviously, he. I mean, that guy was pretty good. I really thought both of the starters for Albany on Friday and Saturday were both pretty good. Um, And
1: then they just sadly ran out of pitching.
0: They very much ran ran (laughs) out of pitching. Right around the fifth inning of Saturday's game, it was the Great Danes were out of pitching. I think they got two, maybe maybe three good arms.
1: Yeah, it's pretty insane. Fourth, fifth, and sixth inning on Saturday, Tennessee scored 18 runs. Nine, four, and five, respectively. Yeah, it's crazy. Just an onslaught. Yeah, it really was. Tennessee will be back in action Tuesday. Who are they playing, right? Alabama, I you am? Know? I should know this. You know, being, If I was a good host, I would know this, but I'm going to have to look it and up. I'm a bad beat writer myself who doesn't know. <laughs> they play High Point February High Point. So that's Tuesday, at f- another early start, 4.30 p.m. Eastern here in Knoxville before they'll play Bowling Green next weekend for a weekend series. So Yeah, yeah. next. And then it kind of gets –
0: the lead in the SEC plays a little bit better because they get Kansas State the next midweek. After that, yeah, and so then in Illinois um, before starting SEC play. So, kind of be after a boring week with the competition, we'll probably we'll have one more boring week, uh, and then after that, obviously, it doesn't truly rev up until SEC play, but it should get a little bit more exciting in uh, the final week and a half in non-con- the non conference slate.
1: There you have it. Brooms come out in Lindsey Nelson Stadium this weekend. Tennessee sweeps the U Albany Great Danes, who by the way have an elite logo.
0: They do have a great logo and a great nickname.
1: Yeah, it's so intimidating. Too bad, you know, their baseball team wasn't able to put up more of a fight this weekend. But Tennessee sweeps you, Albany and back at it Tuesday. If you want to follow Ryan, he's at R Shump00. That's S C H U M P on X. I'm at Jack Foster Media. And of course, keep it locked in over at Rocky Top Insider on all social media platforms and RockyTopInsider.com for all your Tennessee coverage, coverage needs, both basketball, baseball, and football, all three. That'll wrap it up for this Sunday edition. We'll be back with you guys. What are you saying, Ryan? Probably after next week in series? Yeah, probably same time next week. Same time next week. You heard the man. Until next time, we'll see you guys.